Amen. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to use that as a jumping off point tonight. And uh, it's not a secret what we're talking about because you have it sitting right there in front of you. Did anybody not get an outline that needs one? All right, good, good. Cremation we're going to talk about tonight. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to look at a, a good number of verses tonight. And um, I'm going to move through this fairly quickly because a lot of these are just examples things that we can look at. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And by the way, we use verse 19 and 20. That's what we're going to read here. But we use verse 19 and 20 for a lot of different things that the Bible does not mention. Uh, smoking, drinking, um, drugs, all of those kind of things. The Bible doesn't really mention smoking. The Bible doesn't mention drugs. The Bible doesn't mention you know, gambling and dancing and all of those kind of things. But this is a principle that we apply to a lot of different things because of exactly what it says in verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm not going to get off on a rabbit trail with these things tonight, but um, with, with this verse tonight, with these other things, but our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What would you do if you walked into a building and the Holy Ghost was in that building? It would change the way that you did a lot of things, wouldn't it? And yet the same thing, the Bible says our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. So what we do with our bodies has a whole lot to do with this, the way that we treat the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. And that's kind of what this principle is tonight. Now we're going to get right into this outline. Number one, cremation is the burning of dead bodies. I don't think that, especially today, because of how popular this idea of cremation is, that people don't know what this is, but cremation is the burning of dead bodies. Now, the Bible, it's actually becoming a more and more practiced alternative to, to, to the traditional practice of burying, uh, mostly because the cost is a whole lot less, but also because in, in some cases it's the popular thing to do. Uh, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with money, but oh, I want to spread these person's ashes, you know, wherever, you know. Uh, so it's becoming a more and more popular idea, not even having to do with finances. But uh, the Bible doesn't mention the word cremate or cremation. So, where the Bible does not mention a specific topic by name, we take principles found in the Word of God to define what we believe. Um, nowhere does the Bible talk about cremation as a form of burial. Um, now, we're going to look at a lot of different things that actually mention that, and that's what we're going to use as the principles that we're going to base these things off of tonight. Um, but let's talk about this, why I am against cremation. And there's a lot of different reasons, but the first one is this. This is letter A. Cremation has a heathen origin and purpose. I want you to follow along with me, if you can, in the Bible verses. So turn over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Uh, the first point is this. Hindus and other religions cremate in the belief that the dead will not be resurrected, but that they will be reincarnated. And that's a big difference, right? We believe that the saved and the unsaved, for that matter, are going to be resurrected. Those who are saved will be resurrected to life. Those who are not saved will be resurrected to death. Uh, but we're going to be resurrected. And uh, the Bible says that in John chapter 5 and verse 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So there is a resurrection for the saved and the unsaved. And one of the reasons that the Hindus and and other religions that believe in this idea of reincarnation uh, cremate is because they don't believe that there is going to be a resurrection. So what's the point? You can do whatever you want to with the body. 
You're going to be resurrected as something else, right? And, you, and we laugh about it, and we think it's kind of a, a joke to, to a certain extent that, well, if you were good in this life, you can come back as a, as a god or something like that. But if you weren't, then you could come back as a cow or something else. And that's one of the reasons why in India cows are considered to be sacred, because that's an ancestor, you know? Um, what matters? What, what, what does it matter if the body is cremated if you're not going to use it again anyway? Um, but to destroy the body is sometimes considered a way of releasing the spirit of the deceased. That's number two. And that's why I say that cre cremation has a heathen origin and purpose. The Hindus cremate because they don't believe in the resurrection. But the second thing is destroying the body is sometimes considered a way of releasing the spirit of the deceased. Somebody that dies and their spirit needs to be released. Well, by destroying the body, the fear of the individual staying in the vicinity and haunting the person uh, haunting the family or haunting that area, the loved ones, is diminished. If there's no body, there's no, there's no spirit. You know, if, if, the, if, if, if the body is not burned, then the spirit is not released, then you don't have to worry about that. So burn the body. That'll release the spirit. That'll let them go to heaven or wherever the spirit is going. Um, and, and obviously, they believe in a lot of different things with that. But there's nothing. This is number three. There's nothing Christian about this practice. Yeah, that's, that, that idea is found nowhere in the Bible. You know, reincarnation. That's not in the Bible. Releasing somebody's spirit. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who are saved. So we don't need to release somebody's spirit by burning the body. Our spirits go to God the second we pass from this life to death and, and obviously to eternal life. So cremation has a heathen origin and purpose. But the second thing, letter B in your outline, God's people have always followed the practice of burial. Now, if we had one example in the Bible of someone who was cremated, then we could say, all right, the practice of cremation must be okay. It may not be preferred, but it's okay. But not once, not one time in the Bible do we find somebody who belonged to God being cremated. Let's look at a, at a bunch of different examples here. Turn over to Genesis 25. We'll be kind of in Genesis for a little bit, so they're not too far apart from each other. But I want you to fill in the blank. The blank there is just a person's name, all right? Um, and some of the ones that, um, that you have that are already, the name is already there. We're not going to look at those passages. You can go back and look at them later. They're obviously all examples. But these ones that are blank, we'll look at. So God's people have always followed the practice of burial, and we are to follow biblical examples. Genesis 25, verse number 8. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, which is before Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried, Sarah and his wife. And so we see uh, the other one, um, the second one, letter B, is Sarah. Sarah and his wife. Sarah, his wife. Um, but Genesis 23 actually talks about that. She was buried in the same field that he was buried in. He was buried next to her. So Abraham is letter A. Sarah is letter B. Um, well, my outline messed up. That should be letter C right there, uh, but obviously it's not. Look, look at Genesis 35. This is letter A again. Genesis 35, verse 19 and 20. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. So, Rachel. Uh, the second letter B we find in Genesis 35, verse 29. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. 
We see the same thing of Jacob in Genesis 29 and Genesis 50. We're going to look at him again. Uh, or not Jacob, sorry, Joseph, which is the next one, Genesis 15, verse 26. Uh, we see, and, and this is flipping your outline to the next page there, but you see Joshua in Joshua 24. You see Samuel in 1 Samuel 25. You see David in 1 Kings chapter 2. All of these were buried. Now, here's another one. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Good? The building's getting ready to explode. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 10. And obviously this is picking it up in the middle of a story. But Genesis, uh, Matthew 14, verse number 10. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it. And went and told Jesus. Here's another one, Anna, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. You see that they came in and they lied to the Holy Ghost, Peter said. And they were killed. And when they were killed, it says they took the bodies out and they buried them. So Ananias and Sapphira. Here's another one in Acts chapter 8. Turn over to Acts chapter 8. If you, know, if you know chapter content, you know what Acts chapter 8 is talking about. This is the story of Stephen. Stephen gives his whole testimony before the council in Acts chapter 7. And then they gnashed on him with, it, with their teeth. Um, the Bible says he looked up toward heaven and he saw the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And he gave up the ghost. And then chapter 8, verse number 2 says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And there's more. There's not just, these are not the only ones that we see in the Bible that were buried, but nowhere do we find someone that was cremated by God or cremated by the church or cremated by their relatives as a good thing. Because we'll see this, secondly, capital letter C, I guess this would be the third thing, but capital letter C, cremation is a sign of God's curse. Cremation is a sign of God's curse. Um, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Did I, I skip number two. I skipped number two. Sorry. We are to follow Bible instructions regarding these examples. Sorry. Let's look, uh, let's look at Romans chapter 14. 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written down aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Sorry, I skipped over this. What I'm trying to do is follow this outline. So I, can, I have my own outline that I'm following. I have more in my outline than what you have. So if I skip something, raise your hand. Brother John just did that. Raise your hand and let me know if I skipped over it. I'm trying to follow both outlines at the same time. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, Now all these things happen unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now this is not talking specifically about, oh, they were buried and these were done for examples. But that's what, the, that's what it's talking about. Everything that happened in the Old Testament, everything that happened in these other places were, were written down for us to follow these things. So if every single one of them was buried, don't you think that that follows that they're using that as an example that we should bury as well instead of cremation? Because of capital letter C, cremation is a sign of God's curse. We've got a lot of examples for that as well. But throughout the Bible, the destruction of the human body or of an object by fire is used as a sign of God's wrath. Sometimes it was not a body, it was an object, but God destroyed it with fire, right? And we see the very first one is, is an example of one that you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked, wicked place. And in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 24, the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Why did he do that? Because he cursed Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. Right. And then on top of that, he poured uh, 
salt all over the whole thing. It's, it's that way to this day, so that nothing can grow where Sodom and Gomorrah is. But we see in, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those who should live, who, that after should live ungodly. He burned it as a sign of his wrath. He burned it as a sign of his displeasure at what Sodom and Gomorrah was doing, and he burned it as an example that you better not do what Sodom and Gomorrah did, or this is going to happen to you as well. Here's another one, Exodus chapter uh, 32. Exodus chapter 32. Turn with me in these if you can. I understand you're trying to do a couple things at, a, at one time, but if you can, turn over there. Exodus chapter 32 and verse 20, And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink it. So letter B is the golden calf. He destroyed the golden calf by fire as a sign of his wrath, as a sign of his displeasure, as a sign of his curse. Here's another one that we're not going to take the time to go over and look at, but in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1 and 2, Nadab and Abihu were destroyed by fire because they offered God strange fire. God burned them with fire. It was a sign of God's wrath. It was a sign of his curse. Here's another one, letter E, or sorry, letter D. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 25. The graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not des desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein, for it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Graven images. These graven images were destroyed with fire. Why didn't he just say, take it outside the camp? Why didn't he say, just go bury him so you can't see him? He's destroyed them by fire. It was a sign of his curse. Just absolutely get rid of them. Here's another one, and we're not going to turn in this one, but Numbers chapter 16, verse 35, 250 men were destroyed by fire because of the incident with Korah. Right? They followed after Korah. The ground opened up. They were destroyed with fire. Uh, here's another one in 2 Kings chapter 10. Foreign gods were burned with fire. We see the same thing in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. But one more in Revelation chapter 20, Verse 15, and most of you probably know this verse. Revelation 20, verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The unsaved. The unsaved are going to be burned with fire as a sign of God's curse, as a sign of God's wrath for them not accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. So cremation is a sign of God's curse. But here's another thing. Letter D, cremation has always been used as a sign of dishonor. Cremation has always been used as a sign of dishonor, burning a body especially. Uh, but we see in number one, the martyrs were sent to be burned at the stake. Obviously, they were killed in other ways, but why were they burned at the stake? Because it was a sign of dishonor. It was, like, it was, it was what they could do to dishonor their body in the most, uh, most abhorrent way. Um, and and, and you, John Wycliffe, you remember the story of John Wycliffe? He, he, was, he died, he was buried, and... Um, they were so, uh, I forget who, I forget who the king was at the time. Um, I can't remember. I, I apologize for that. But he, his body was exhumed and his bones were burned and scattered in the Thames, in the, in the Thames River. Why is, what's the point of that? He was already dead, you know? It was because it was, it was an absolute sign of, of dishonor, a sign of, of absolute disrespect to burn somebody. And so they, they dug his bones up and burned his bones. Um, but here's another one, number two, and this is going on to the back page now. Uh, turn over to Joshua chapter 7. 
You might, you might remember this story. You might even be able to fill this blank in before we see it. But uh, Joshua chapter 7 and verse 24. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. It was an absolute sign of dishonor. And God was making it clear that he was, he was dishonored by the disobedience of Achan. So cremation has always been used as a sign of dishonor. Here's another reason why we're against cremation. God practices burial. And we're only given one time when God actually buried someone. And we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse number 5 and 6. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Beor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. God buried Moses. Nobody knows where God buried Moses. And I believe that God did that on purpose uh, just to keep Moses from becoming a shrine uh, or the burial of Moses from becoming a shrine and people coming back and later on to worship, you know, at his shrine and everything else. God buried Moses. Uh, but this is the only time. I mean, obviously, God destroyed people with fire. But every time God destroyed someone with fire, he was destroying them with fire, not, you know, taking care of their body after they died. The only time we have an example of that, God actually buried Moses. Why did God need to bury Moses? You know? I, I believe it's because it was an example to us of how, what we should be doing with bodies after they die. Here's another reason. The Christian's body belongs to God. The Christian's body belongs to God. The body is not ours to destroy by fire or by any other means. Oh, it's just a, it's just a temple. It's just, a, it's just a, a cage. It's just a house. And it is. Um, but it's not our house. It's not our cage. It's not our temple. It's God's temple belongs to him, especially for those of us who are saved. And so Romans chapter 14 and verse 8 says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So that means while we are alive, our body belongs to him. When we're dead, our body still belongs to him. And so it's not our right to go and destroy that body. It belongs to him. And we already read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, but your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That lives inside you. And he says, you know, you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's another reason. God plainly called cremation wickedness. Now, he didn't use that word, cremation. That's not in the Bible. But we have that, that very specific thing in Amos chapter 2 and verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not turn away the punishment of, thereof, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom into lime. Well, if there's nothing wrong with burning somebody, then why is God cursing Moab for doing this? He told, he said, there's three things. There's, there's three things. In fact, there's four things that he did that I'm cursing him for. And the one that he points out is the fact that he burned the bones of this king. So God plainly calls cremation wickedness. Here's another one. Letter H. The Lord Jesus was buried. He's our great example. Obviously, he came up out of the grave. Uh, but we see in John chapter 19 and verse 38, 
After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave, and he came there, therefore and took the body of Jesus. There came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took there the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloth with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. But, number one, he was buried in the certainty that he would rise again in three days. Doesn't it stand to reason that a cremated body would never be seen by anyone again? Well, Jesus was going to be resurrected, but guess what? So are we. We're going to be resurrected too. Number two, a Christian is said to rest in death. We live in the hope of a bodily resurrection someday. The Bible talks about that, resting in death. The dead body sleeps in the grave while the redeemed soul waits in glory for that resurrection day. Are we going to be united with our bodies? I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I know this. Our bodies don't belong to us. They belong to Christ. And they're resting in the grave in the hope of the resurrection day. And our bodies are going to be resurrected. We get a glorious body, we get a new body and everything when we get to heaven, so I don't know exactly what the point of having our bodies resurrected is, but I know this, they're going to be resurrected. If we cremate our bodies, there's not a resurrection for that body. And we'll talk about something in just a minute. Let me give you some controversial passages or views. Number one, the, uh, one of the, I, I guess probably the biggest argument is that it's a cheaper alternative to spending money for the burial and the tombstone. Well, I'll just go cremate the body. It is a cheaper option, by far. Uh, trust me, we, we buried my mom not that long ago. It was expensive. Don't die. It's, you, you can't afford it, <laughs> right? But, but that's what, you know, oh, well, it's, it's a whole lot cheaper to do the cremation, so that's what we're going to do. Let me give you this. Number one, even in difficult circumstances, God's people in olden days practiced burial. And when I say difficult circumstances, obviously the one that, the example that we're going to look at. In fact, turn over to Genesis 50 while we're while we're while we're while I'm telling you this. But uh, this is a little bit di different situation than being able to afford the burial. But it was a difficult situation that they were in. Joseph, in Exodus chapter 50, had died. Um, his body was kept for over 400 years in Egypt. And then he was carried through the 40 years in the wilderness before being buried in the promised land. Don't you think it would have been a whole lot easier for them to burn his body, put it in a little jar and carry it with them, rather than carrying this, the bones of this man that are 400 years old? They laid in Egypt for 400 years. Joseph, well, in fact, let's look at this. Joseph, uh, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 24. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. In other words, what he said is, I'm, I'm dying. And when I die, it's going to be too late for me to, to march out of Egypt, but God's going to bring you out. Now, you got to remember this. Joseph was basically the first one that was carried away into captivity. Joseph was the first one out of all of the children of Israel that lived in Egypt. They stayed in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. So Joseph's body lays in Egypt for 400 years. Then they come out of Egypt. Then they march around in the wilderness for 40 years. Somebody was tasked with the responsibility of carrying Joseph's bones in the wilderness for 40 years. I can't imagine how many times they must have thought, 
let's just dump these things in the fire and be done with it. But there was more to it than that. His bones were supposed to come out and they were supposed to be buried in the promised land, which later on we see that they were. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Joshua 24, verse 32, And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Joseph, uh, Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. How much simpler... It would have been to cremate his body and carry a small container uh, with his ashes. But they refused because Joseph was a man who looked forward to a bodily resurrection. And he was given an honorable burial. Even if cremation is a cheaper alternative, a less expensive and easier process than burial, it's still to be rejected because of the simple fact that we have this as an example. The Israelites rejected the economical, the more economical and simpler way to cremate Joseph's body. Here's another um, misconception, if you will, at the very least, or a controversial view. I want to honor the memory of my loved ones by keeping their ashes on the mantle or by spreading their ashes across something that they loved, the ocean, a field, something like that. That does, obviously doesn't have anything to do with finances, um, but I want to honor them. I want to keep them up on the mantle. You know, a, a thing that they're doing now, maybe you've heard of this, um, they're actually taking ashes and uh, super compressing them, if you will, and turning them into diamonds. So you can actually wear them as a diamond on your ring and carry them with you on your finger or wherever else. Um, that's one of the things that's becoming a popular thing now to do with cremated, you know, with the ashes of somebody. But here's, here's a couple reasons why that's not an honor to have them sitting up on the shelf or to have their ashes spread somewhere. And, and some of these we already talked about. But number one, for a person not to have a proper burial was considered a dishonor. It was considered something that was not a good thing. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 23. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. God wouldn't even let Ahab and Jezebel be buried because it would have been an honorable thing for them to be buried. The dogs ate them. The birds ate them. It was, it was always considered a thing of dishonor to not be buried. Psalm 83, verse 9 and 10. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin at the brook Kisan, which perished at Endor, they became as dung for the earth. In other words, their bodies just laid out on the ground and rotted. And it was a dishonorable thing for them to not have a burial. And so, oh, well, I want to honor them. Well, it's always been considered a thing of dishonor to not be buried. But number two, here's this, even in war, it's always been common practice for each side to allow the others to collect and bury their dead, particularly at night after a lull in battle. But even, even in a situation like that, where they're just in the middle of the, the worst of the worst situation, there's always a time when they can go and collect their dead and bury them because it was an honorable thing to be able to be buried. Here's another one. Uh, the, um, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I moved, I moved ahead of myself. Let me give you some conclusions then. Number three. We cannot force people to either bury or not to bury. Obviously, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. But we will say that burial looks forward to the resurrection. That's why to bury. Now, obviously, the Bible, the Bible does not say, thou shalt bury thy dead, right? And where we don't have the Bible giving us something, we have to follow principles. We have to follow examples. And every example that we have in the Bible, they were buried. 
every example where somebody was burned, it was, look, it was not a good thing where they were burned. So burial looks forward to the resurrection. Number one, we believe in a bodily resurrection. That's why God's people have always practiced burial. They're looking forward to that bodily resurrection that we are promised we're going to have. If you destroy the body, how is that body going to be resurrected? Now, I understand. Look, there, there are times when um, a body is blown up in war or a body is burned in a fire. That's different. It's not by choice, obviously. We're not burning it on purpose. Or somebody that gets blown up by stepping on a, a landmine or something like that is not choosing to blow themselves up as a way of burial. So things like that obviously happen. People that, you know, uh, I mean, people are murdered and thrown out in the woods and their body, you know, uh, decomposes right there without a burial and all of those kind of things. So obviously there are, there are situations and circumstances where somebody does not get a burial, where they can look forward to this bodily resurrection, but those are things that were not done by choice. Cremation is something that is done by choice, and so where we have the choice, we should choose to bury, because we believe in a bodily resurrection. But number two, we know that the manner of someone's burial does not affect their salvation or their resurrection. Some are burned in car wrecks, some are blown up in war beyond recognition. The body will eventually even decompose, but when at all possible, we bury. We bury. Um, if somebody decides to cremate, doesn't mean that, oh, you just made sure that they're going to die and go to hell now. No, they're already dead. It is just their body. It's not their soul, and it does not affect whether or not somebody goes to heaven or hell. But it's a practice that when we have the choice, we bury. Number three, the Bible uses the seed as an illustration of the resurrection. It goes into the ground, it decomposes, and then it comes up as a new plant. The same is true of our resurrected body. So how can God resurrect a decomposed body? Well, the, the farmer doesn't destroy the seed before he places it in the ground, right? He doesn't burn the seed and then put the ashes in the ground. He doesn't burn the seed and spread it over the ground, hoping that it's going to come up and grow into something. So when we bury a Christian loved one, we're planting the seed for the resurrected body. Here's number four. Burial is a powerful testimony of our unwavering faith in God's word regarding the promise of the bodily resurrection. We put them in the ground... Look, and which way do we face the bodies? Toward the east, right? You go to any graveyard and the body's going to face toward the east. Why is that? Because that's the way that Jesus Christ is going to come and we're going to be raised and we're going to face him. And we have a bodily resurrection that's, that we're promised. And when we bury, especially when we bury them facing toward the east, we're showing that we have faith in Jesus Christ that he's going to raise us in a bodily resurrection from the dead someday. So... To sum everything up, we believe these things are important, and as Christians, we should take our stand upon the examples of the Word of God. Again, we're not given the specifics on cremation or burial in the Bible, but every single place there's a burial, including when God buried, they were buried. Um, burning a body is considered to be a dishonorable thing. It's considered to be... Uh, a sign of God's wrath, a sign of God's displeasure, a sign of God's curse. And so, no. Does it affect our salvation? No. Does it affect, you know, oh, well, now your body's burned. God can't put that back together someday. No, of course he can. But when we have a choice, we go with burial because that's the example that we have in the Word of God. Cremation. That's something that we disagree with. And I, for one, if somebody ever wants to burn my body... Turn that incinerator off and put me in the ground. That's where I want to be. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the principles, the examples that we have in the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to learn from these things and follow it. And again, as we go through these things on Sunday nights and what we believe and why we believe them, I pray that you'd help us to make those things settled in our mind and understand those things in our mind uh, and settled in our hearts so that we might stand on the Word of God with confidence and with, with the strength that we have from the Word of God. I pray that you'd send us away from here with your blessing. Give us a good week. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.